0: Well, welcome back to the Northboro Church of Christ YouTube channel, and here we are again on uh, my front porch at home, and I pray that the sermons and the messages that you've been hearing and uh, viewing have been an encouragement to you and uh, on the podcast as well. Um, It's a different uh, dynamic when you're just listening and not being able to view it, Um, but I'm hoping that the podcast has been beneficial too. Today we find ourselves in Exodus 13, and we're in a transition phase between Israel being taken out of Egypt, and they are slowly progressing towards freedom, and they haven't quite made it out yet. Uh, The firstborn has died. And the Passover, really a, a precursor to the Passover, has been established. Uh, you can recall the last plague was the death angel coming through all of Egypt and killing the firstborn, of, uh, firstborn male of every uh, family and beast. And Israel has been able to escape that because they've sacrificed the lamb, the unblemished lamb, and have uh, painted their doorposts with the blood. In Exodus 13, we find them traveling uh, from Succoth to uh, Etham, I believe. And God doesn't take them directly into or through the land of the Philist- Philistines because he wants to keep them from war. He, he's thinking that their uh, reaction to war may not be beneficial. Let, let me just read that really quickly down at the end of Exodus 13. In verse 19, so, so Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. Now, before that, so we see them right there. They're heading out of Egypt. They're not quite there yet. They're they're working their way towards that. They still have to pass through the Red Sea. Uh, But before this, it says in verse 17, now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So So God was trying to protect them. And so he brings them to the Red Sea, if you will, in the edge of the wilderness. And in the beginning of this chapter, Exodus 13, we see that God institutes this feast. He institutes this memorial for them. And he wants them to remember that the firstborn male that opens the womb of man and beast belongs to him. He says, why? 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 Because God wants them to remember that he saved every firstborn male. By the blood of the lamb. God is the one who saved them. And so he wants them to remember that perpetually. And so in verse 1 he says of Exodus 13, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every every womb among the sons of Israel both of man and beast, it belongs to me. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day in the month of Abib you are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leaven shall be seen among you, nor shall any leaven be seen among you in all your borders. You shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall serve as a sign to you on your hand, and as a reminder on your forehead, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with the powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. A Feast of Unleavened Bread. And now he says in verse 11, Now when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But of every first offspring of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. So here we have this law that when they enter the promised land, they are to redeem their donkeys and to redeem every firstborn son. Why? It says in verse 14, and it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Now... uh, Get this picture in our minds, in your mind for a minute. So your son is standing there, your firstborn son is standing there with you as you take this lamb and explain to him, this lamb is so that I can redeem you. And the son asks, well, why do I need to be redeemed? And then the father or the, the parent is supposed to tell them, because God with a mighty hand preserved every firstborn male of Israel. By sacrificing the lamb and the blood was posted or or put on the doorposts of every home and the death angel passed over so that the firstborn of every male could live. What a powerful testimony that would be. It's almost as if the the son's reaction would be, wow, I, I owe my life to this lamb or to God that's true, isn't it? we We owe our lives to God, to the Lamb. We may not sometimes view it that way. I know I don't always, but the lamb took my place he He redeemed me, and so this is the law that God is giving the Israelites when they go in to possess Canaan. As we continue to read in verse 15, it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall serve as a sign on your hand and as phylacteries on your forehead. For with the powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of egypt now there's been some things going around today about the mark of the beast and i'm not going to get too much into this i just want to uh, touch on it briefly and then move on here we have an example of israel putting something on their forehead and on their hand and today we have this um talk that's going around that the vaccine or these passport cards are somehow related to the mark of the beast um that's just simply not the case if you take a look at revelation 13 where 666 and 6 and mark of the beast is located it's not talking about a microchip it's not talking about a passport card it's not talking about anything like that it's talking about a person so it's the number of man and the number of the beast So we don't need to get fearful or caught up in some of this false narrative that's going around uh, these um, just ridiculous stories about how this is the mark of the beast or that's the mark of the beast. Brothers and sisters, let's stay focused on the word, focus on God, and leave all of these other things that are so nonsensical um, where they belong, which is most likely on the Internet. They don't even belong there, right? So I hope that encourages you. And let's move on, though. The idea of redemption. When you think about what God owns, what does God own? Uh, there's a song called God God Owns, uh, what is it? God Owns uh, Cattle on a Thousand Hills or something like that, right? And I think that's, uh, what is that, Isaiah 50 or something like that. Um, but when you think about what God owns, what does God own? You're saying everything, right? God owns everything. Let's go to Exodus 19.5. I just want to read a few verses here to try and lay some groundwork as to God could have used anything, any amount of wealth, any amount of riches he could have given as payment for redemption. But who was he going to pay? Sin? God owns it all. He was so wealthy, wealthy in wisdom, wealthy in material. He created all of all of that we see. God owns it all. In verse 5 of Exodus 19, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Again in Deuteronomy chapter ten. Deuteronomy chapter ten, fourteen. Behold, to the Lord, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. What does God own? everything, the earth and all that is in it, the heavens, even the highest heavens, even things beyond what we can see, God owns it all job forty one eleven is another one here, really quickly job forty one and verse eleven, Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Starting to get the idea that God owns it all. All the wealth, all the riches. You remember that Solomon, Solomon was asked by God, what do you want? Tell me what you want. I'll give it to you. Solomon asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased with that. He said, because you haven't asked me for all these things, I'm going to give you all these things. We know that Solomon was one of the wealthiest men who ever walked the planet because God Gave it to him. God owns it all. God is the one. Who has given what was necessary. To purchase us. Jesus says in Mark ten forty five, He says that I didn't come to serve. But to be served. And to give my life. As a ransom from any. For even a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse 6, same idea is um, given. 1 Timothy 2 and 6, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus was that ransom, the king's ransom. The story is told of, I think it was an English king, it might have been Richard I, somebody who knows history better than me, can correct me. And he was kidnapped and he was taken and I think it was said that it was about 100,000 pounds of silver was the payment. 100,000 pounds of silver was the king's ransom. What could God have given to pay our ransom? Let's say we were kidnapped and we needed to be ransomed. We needed to be redeemed. What could God give? He could give it all. When we hear these nice songs that say, oh, I'll give you the moon, i give you the world, I, I'll give you the stars. Well, God could actually really do that. And he's the owner of them. To buy us back. And yet, what did he give? So what does it mean, though, that God has redeemed you? You ever think about that. What does it mean that God has redeemed you? It means uh, that be, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. In Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 Paul says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It means we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? Death. We've been redeemed from death. So that we could receive the promise of, uh, that was given through Abraham, the promise of the Spirit through faith. What a blessing it is to be redeemed, amen? It also, mean, uh, it also means that we've been redeemed from every lawless deed in Titus again, Titus 2.14. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law it also means that we've been redeemed from every lawless deed. Listen to what he says. Paul tells Tim, uh, Titus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. So there's a two folded, uh, two sides of the coin of redemption here. There's the side that redeems us from the lawless deed and then redeems us so that we can go and do good deeds. We've been Redeemed from every lawless deed. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've been redeemed. We sing the song, right? I've been redeemed. Right? Praise the Lord that we have been. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from every lawless deed. And we've been purchased We talked about how our life is not our own anymore. And 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 says this. Uh, Let's start in 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Brothers and sisters, you've been bought with a price. So haven't I. You consider yourself as being purchased? All the things that we can buy today, all, all those commodities that we have at, at the touch of our fingertips, we can just press a button and it d- gets delivered to our front door. Which, by the way, uh, we can get every, almost everything we need, right? We don't have to go to the store. So if they say, well, you can't go to the store unless you get a vaccine. Well, that's fine. I'll just type it in my computer and have it delivered to my doorstep, right? But we've been bought. We've been purchased, God has purchased us. Praise the Lord that he saw value in you and me. I mean, think about it. Is there anything in your life now that if you ever were to lose or, God forbid, was kidnapped or something like that and taken for ransom... Depending on what it is, you'd have to make a decision. What would you be willing to give if the most valuable thing that you have or the valuable person in your life needed to be ransomed? What would you be willing to give? All of your wealth. All that you had. Your own life. God, that's what He did through Jesus. In Revelation 5, we come to the point in the book where no one is worthy to open or break the seals and open the book except one. And John's revealed this picture, this image of a lamb as if slain. He is the only one worthy to take the book and break its seals because he has purchased, redeemed by his own blood. When you think about what does it mean that God has redeemed you and I? It means we are free from the curse. It means our lawless deeds are gone. They are erased. And it means that we are not our own. And we owe God our lives. The story is told of someone who was taken as a slave, a young lady. And she found herself in the slave markets and she was bought. The price isn't told, but the one who bought her gave her the piece of paper that the slave owner um, purchased and, and obtained and gave it to her. Basically, giving her her own Freedom. He had bought her as a slave just to, in turn, free her. And he said, you're free to go. And you know what that uh, young lady did? Instead of running in the opposite direction of the one who had just bought her, she begged him to be his servant. And as Christians, we've been freed. Not just from a temporary slavery of sin, but from an eternal punishment. Brothers and sisters, hell, hell is a real place. We've been saved. We've been bought. We've been purchased. We've been redeemed. And what is the proper response then i just want I just want to be a servant god let me let me serve you. It's the least that I can do, and oh, that's a battle, isn't it? Because our old person wants to creep up sometimes and show his ugly head. To try to convince us that our way is better and our uh, fleshly fulfillment is what we need at the moment. It's tough to be a servant in those times, isn't it? Why did God redeem you? Why did God redeem me? Think about what it cost. Psalm 49, Psalm 49, 7 and 8. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is costly and he should cease trying forever. If we're going to try and pay God off. For our redemption. It's not going to happen. God is the one. Is the one only. Only God is able to pay. The ransom. He's already paid it. It's costly. In First Peter one eighteen, And I think Brother Keenan Mentioned this last week. First Peter 1. 18 and 19. You think about the cost of the ransom. Uh, you know, the English king, the French king, was um, it was 100,000 pounds of silver that was asked for the ransom for the king, the king's ransom. And what would be the cost for you and I and our soul? The psalmist says it's very costly. This, the, the ransom of a soul, the redemption of a soul is costly. That's what it costs. In 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, how do you think the people that asked for the ransom for the king feel now? What did the gold and what did the silver, 100,000 pounds of silver, doing for them now? But we weren't redeemed with things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood Of Christ. What were we redeemed with? The only thing that could redeem us. The blood of Christ. So there's other kings that have been kidnapped. And there's been a ransom paid. Excuse me. For their life. But the king's ransom that I'm talking about today. Is the ransom that the king has paid For your life and mine. God could have given any amount of money. Any amount of wealth. But God gave his firstborn. If you will. Not that Jesus is created. We know that he's existed. John tells us that in John 1. But in Exodus 13, the Israelites were required to redeem their firstborn. And it took a lamb to redeem them. And the king's ransom and what God has given as a ransom for your soul and mine is his firstborn. Let's not lose the connection there. Let's not lose that familial relationship. That the father has with the son. And he would be willing to give his son as a ransom for you and me. So if you think you don't have any value... You ever had one of those days where you're working and doesn't seem like your job is, um, or you're producing for your job the way you think you should, or uh, maybe your kids just aren't feeling you that day, or your spouse is, you just feel like you failed everyone that day. You're still valuable. Remember that God sees you as something worth. Redeeming. You only redeem something that you view as being valuable enough to redeem. In Israel, they were commanded to remember that they were redeemed, they were brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And then God spared their firstborn males because of his grace, because of his command, because of the lamb. And I pray that you are encouraged to remember that, that you are valuable. And friends, if you are not in Christ, if you are not under the blood of him, that you would consider just what the king's ransom is for you. You're a slave to sin. You've been taken captive. And God wants to redeem you. And he's given all that is required so that the ransom can be paid for your soul. What will you do with it? God bless you. We look forward to seeing you in person or online in the Northborough Church of Christ, northboroughcoc.org. You can find more information about who we are and who Christ is, more importantly. I pray that your weekend is going well, that your week, or wherever you are watching this or on the podcasts, that you are encouraged to know that you are valuable and you are precious in the sight of God. And then he has either redeemed you because you've accepted his son or then he wants to. Take care.